Hello and welcome to the now underground Court of Owlets podcast. I'm V, and with me today is Joe. Hello. And Muse. Hello. We're a comic podcast that uploads weekly. You can check the show notes for which comics we'll be covering this week and their timestamps so that you can skip over those titles if it's something you haven't read yet or aren't interested in reading. So to start off, we're covering comics from our long box. In our long box, Joe and I will discuss what we feel are important comics, and Muse will cover any Marvel story that she feels was important this week. So Joe, I know that you read action comics. Yeah, I um, did. I did hear some screams off in the distance, so tell me, uh, how, how are you feeling? I will keep this as calm as I can, because I am just so tired of it. So, Action Comics 1021, written by Brian Michael Bendis, artist is still John Romita Jr. Basically, the whole mini story arc battle is over now. The whole fan fiction of how Bendis thought the Justice League battle should have went down, including his characters, is now done. Red Death, Red Cloud, whatever you want to call her, the new Bendis villain, she decides to join the good guys. Young Justice and the Justice League clean up the mess of Metropolis after a whole battle, and Clark tells Connor they're going to figure out who he really is. Who he really is? Yeah. Does he need to figure that out? I'm going to get to that. Oh, no. What I liked about this is that they gave the answers for our questions from last issue right in, like, the second page. It was great. The questions that we had from last issue were, who were these floating figures above Metropolis? These hooded men and women that seem to know everything, which is part of Bendis's plot that he does for everything, that there's always somebody else behind the curtain. And these people were the geniuses behind Leviathan. That was it. That was the only answer, and then they moved on with the plot. What I didn't like was a whole lot more. Just like most of Bendis's action comics, it starts off with the Daily Planet Twitter page. This time it's Metropolis Alerts because it's covering the whole fight scene going down in Metropolis. There was a tweet on there that says, deleting previous tweet because at Gorilla Man had been ID'd as Gorilla Grodd. So you mean to tell me that in the middle of this battle, Gorilla Grodd, ape, telepathic, supervillain, in the middle of fighting the Justice League and the Teen Titans, is tweeting. But then you also have hashtag Blackshirt Superboy, Catwoman 80, Adam Strange Criminal, and Lois at Border. All things to tie into other parts of DC Universe that don't actually have anything to do. Catwoman 80, what the hell is that supposed to be doing in DC continuity? Blackshirt Superboy, Connor's not even wearing a black shirt anymore. He's been in like his 90s getup. Adam Strange Criminal is a tie to the black label Tom King Adam Strange story that's going on right now. And Lois at Border is a tie to Greg Rucka's Lois Lane title, which, as we said in the last issue, is getting a little bit po more political. Even like the, not, not just the black shirt Superboy thing being a hashtag making no sense because Connor's been wearing, as you said, his 90s outfit, but I can understand them being like, bring black black shirt Superboy being a thing on stupid DC social media, but Connor doesn't and never has existed in this universe for that to be a hashtag. Mm -hmm. You also have 
this thing that Bendis has been having Clark do now, which is just yelling sentences that don't need to be yelled or really sound like they come from Superman. Like in the last issue where he's yelling to the Young Justice kids, he's like, are you ready for battle? This issue, a calm discussion between him and Lex, and then all of a sudden turns into like, can't you see what you're doing? What is this Dumbledore from the fourth Harry Potter movie? Literally. And then it's like, again, calm discussion, calm discussion, and Superman, like, in the background, you're a monster, Luther! (laughs) Just out of context, that sounds hysterical, though. They do. Like, yes, he was getting strangled by Red Cloud using her powers on him to kill him, but still, it's, the (laughs) sentence, like, in the context of it was very unnecessary. And speaking of Red Cloud... Superman was able to turn her over to the good guys by telling her, even if she kills him, please save that bus that's falling right now because of that one kid. He is so good. Please save him. What? Yeah. And so she does it. She lets Superman go. She saves the bus. She saves the one kid that is so good. Does Clark know the kid? No. It was just a kid. But it was enough to have her change sides from working with the Invisible Mafia, going into the Daily Planet as a double-crossing agent, becoming a supervillain, working with Lex Luthor. But this is what turns the tides for her. This is so weird. Mm-hmm. Saved the bus because of that one kid? He's so good. He's is, so good. Is that the actual wording? That's the actual wording. <laughs> I don't think an adult should be saying that about a strange kid. <laughs> I can understand like him being like, oh, it's one child, he's got so much life to live, I've already done a lot for this planet, mm. for this universe, just save him. Would have made way more sense. Like, he's like, please, just, that bus, that boy, he's so good, <laughs> please save him. Are you sure the boy doesn't come up in any previous nope. pages? Never been saved by Superman before, never seen him before, never spoke before, <laughs> just a kid. I get what he was trying to do, like what Muse was saying, but it just doesn't come out right. Like, I just gave you the perfect sentence, Mm -hmm. Bendis, and you just, (laughs) you made it sound like a third grader. And speaking of that, then you have Leviathan, who used to be called Manhunter back in like the 70s. And this guy is like at least middle-aged, and Bendis has him sounding like he's from Beverly Hills. So I took a couple little bits of dialogue and I would really love V to read this in her Beverly Hills voice because she does it so much better than I ever could. Oh, goodness. You mean my Bendis voice? (laughs) There we go. This is how I do Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, So just to remind you, this is at least anywhere from 50 to 60 year old man talking to Superman. 50 to 60 year old man. Okay. Okay, listen to this, word for word. I'm so sick of rich, bald lunatics telling me what to do. They're using multiple, wild, interdimensional power sources that are so dangerous not to gossip. That Brainiac is a walking disaster waiting to happen. Also, one of my contemporaries, who specializes in Luther-level crazy, pointed out that he probably has multiple plans of, well, terror, ready in the event of his death. Catastrophe. (laughs) God, this 
sounds like some girl on Instagram. I just said that at the end. Catastrophe. Yeah, that was it. Oh. Hashtag okay. catastrophe with Goodness. all of this. Oh, beautiful job. Oh, thanks. Oh, I needed some joy. <laughs> then you have Tim slash Robin slash Red Robin slash Drake. He's like, I should go speak to law enforcement. And then Batman's like, just do what you think is best. Okay, wait, wait. He goes and talks to Batman? Yeah. Yet, apparently, according to Bendis' Young Justice, Tim has had no contact with Batman since coming back from Gemworld and his multidimensional hopping. The only person from said potential bat bubble he has had a connection with is Steph. Yep, no, in this battle, it wasn't the Justice League and Teen Titans, it was the Justice League and Young Justice, because this is Bendis' telling of it. So that one panel, you have Bart, Flash, Wonder Woman, Cassie, Teen Lantern, Ginny Hex, Naomi, Batman, Superman, and Connor. So is this taking place after they rescue Connor, I guess? Well, actually, I don't know now, because that takes place in Young Justice, and this takes place in Action Comics. But a lot of series continuities flow differently, Mm -hmm. regardless. That would be up to the editor to decide. But it's the same editor editing this, Superman and Young Justice. All I know is Robin was Drake in this and connor is here and nobody remembers connor clark doesn't remember connor lex makes a comment last issue in this issue about how he can't keep track of all the Superboys. <laughs> no he can't where's your son superman <laughs> if only he could keep track of the Superboys. all takes place the day before superman 18 which is when clark reveals his identity as superman which I want to say is also bull because I'm pretty sure before this he had already released his identity. Yes. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you on that. I haven't been reading it like you have, but based off of hearing your rants about Action Comics, I'm pretty certain you mentioned somewhere, probably in his weird little background tweets or a news clip, it has Superman's identity revealed as Clark Kent, something like that. They had Young Justice looking at her phone as he was revealing to the world. That was yeah. back in Superman 18 they did that. I don't know, because Bendis likes to time hop a lot. It does. But, oh, at the very end, Clark tells Connor, he's like, you know, you really did a good job. He starts what's supposed to be venting, I guess, for Superman. He's like, sorry, I just needed a minute. And then Connor's like, let's well, just clean up, you know? Mm-hmm. Nothing like a good old-fashioned clean up. Clark makes a comment. He's like, now that sounds like a Kent. Well, Connor. Once we're all done here, we'll figure out who you really are. You don't need to figure out who he really is. We know. He knows. It's just a matter of knowing what Earth he's on. He's Connor Kent, or Connell. Like, he's Superboy. We know this. The Metro Kid, Hero of Hawaii, Project 13, <laughs> whatever you want to call him. Hero of Hawaii. He is. He is. I know. It's just funny that you brought that up, like, as <laughs> he introduces himself to Superman. That would be great. <laughs> uh, you don't know me? I'm Connell, Connor Kent, hero of Hawaii. <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you just say? Nothing. It's just, it's part of my backstory. <laughs> I hit on a lot of ladies. Good writers would mention that. Not whatever the heck Bendis is going to do. I know. And I wish I could even, like, hypothesize, like, what I could expect next to happen. (laughs) Considering he renamed Tim as Drake, I'm really afraid of them renaming Connor. Kent. (laughs) 
<laughs> the secret's out. But that's his secret identity. Why bother hiding it now? Exactly. All right, I'm invoking host privileges, and I'm giving myself the floor because we've talked about action comics, which is the pillar of this comics community. So we're going to talk about the other pillar, detective comics. The one that's in the back, hiding in the shadows. Yeah, it's the good pillar. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in terms of the things are going right now, I agree with you. Uh, Yeah, so this one wasn't that bad, honestly. No. (laughs) Officially, this is Detective Comics 1021, written by Muse's hero, Peter J. Tomasi. It has that Walker Hennessy team up of art, which is good. It's good art. Mm-hmm. Very standard comic book. Well, we're picking up where we left off with the cult of Two Face, and you remember he um, kind of showed his kamikaze acolytes mm-hmm. blowing themselves up to stop Batman from getting any information from them. Now Batman's talking about how this isn't normal, and it juxtaposes it against basically what Two Face was talking about to his acolytes, which is some, you know, cult nonsense. Could not care less. It's just constant cult stuff for like a few pages, and then like it gets into the story. And once the story gets off, it starts to make more sense, it starts to become more fun. Basically, the crux of the issue is that Two Face has two personalities, and they don't know things that the other personality knows. Which is always awesome to see. <laughs> You're pro that. I mean, like I said before in the last issue, Two-Face is one of my favorite rogues of Batman. I just love his origin. I love seeing like the two halves like, bicker between each other. Yeah, but like it seems like more often than not, they're kind of going the same direction. Well, because they have the balance of the coin toss. Coin, right. So now there's something wrong with Two-Face. The coin isn't helping him anymore. Now he's just switching back and forth like stereotypical schizophrenic Mm -hmm. so sometimes he's two-faced sometimes he's dent and dent knows batman's identity but two-faced doesn't dent actually goes to confront batman outside of the Batcave to just be like hey i need your help and batman just gives him some there you go buddy (laughs) just just keep it inside conceal don't feel because he's like I can't help him from finding this out. He's going to find out eventually. And then Batman is like, you're going to shut it. Steel tight. Shut it down. <laughs> you do not let him know. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. I don't think I can. He's like, you can do it. You're stronger. Dent is stronger than. <laughs> just like, Batman, um, I think you might need to call Zatanna and have her like wipe that from his mind. There's no good reason for Dent to know this information. Are we trying to have a second identity crisis? Listen, it almost worked for Catwoman. I say give it a whirl. (laughs) So I guess to sum up like the main points of this, so the cult of Dent, essentially what it turns out to be, from what we know so far, the thing all these people have in common is that they are all cancer patients. They're all dying. They all have terminal illnesses. So that explains their loose grip on life. As to how he's recruiting them, they all have crossed paths at the courthouse. So somehow they're all getting in touch with each other through there. So Batman heads out. That's when he picks up Dent. He gets there. And we're going to see next issue. Basically, what we're going to find out about the cult. It's going to all be revealed in the next issue. We're left with a Batman that's been shot full of holes. Yeah. Like, literally? No. He's got smoking gunshot holes coming out of him. There's oh. no blood. Oh, it's, it's his Kevlar. Fine. Okay, okay. He's fine. <laughs> Even if there was blood, he's fine. It's just a flesh wound. 
It's just a flesh wound. As long as his back isn't broken, Batman can do anything. <laughs> so his Achilles heels in his back. That's all I'm going to say. So it's a pretty tidy episode. It went on for longer than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. It felt like it covered a lot of ground real fast. It really just felt like a good, solid Batman issue. Definitely better than what we were talking about the last time when we brought this up. Because I think we were more fixated on like the fact that there was a whole other cult thing and like unnecessary and all that stuff. But no, it was good. I did like the little details too of Two Faces members. First of all, they both have a coin implemented in the middle of their heads. Basically, from what I could see, only one person in the entire group wore white. He was the talker. The mm. others all wear half black, half white. So it's all very weird. I think like the uninitiated don't have the coins because the coins have like a bomb to blow them up. Yeah. Suicide Squad style. Yeah, he was saying Amanda Waller style. Mm-hmm. So he was referencing that it was definitely her tech. But there was one scene that really confused me is that he flips the coin. He's like, today we're going to create chaos. And if he flips it the head side at the unscarred, it's today we're going to punish those who are hurting society. Mm-hmm. So either way, we're going to be murdering, but we're going to be murdering criminals. So they go after all these people. They're like these human traffickers. They're like, boom, we're murdering them. They find these counterfeiters. They're like, beat them up, but I don't think they're dead. And then Catwoman, they find her robbing someone and they're like putting a gun in her face and she's like, womp, womp, you caught me. And I'm like, okay, first of all, how are they deciding who to kill and who not to kill? Secondly, how did they catch Catwoman? They're just a bunch of henchmen. Third, why is Catwoman robbing places? I thought she (laughs) gave that up. I was confused about that too. That and the penguin as well. Clearly we're not all on the same page once again with Batman. (laughs) Batman and Detective Comics are in different worlds Mm -hmm. or something. I don't know. No one's communicating. So they're using the same villains for different purposes. Overall, the story itself was fun to read. The art was good. I did like seeing Harvey trying to keep control from the Two-Face half. It was brutal, it was disturbing, but very, like, fascinating way. He was just, like, slamming his head on the dashboard. He was like, no! I was confused a little bit about that because he slammed his head and you saw little debris around it. Like, is the Batmobile really made of things that can chip away like that? Also, why did Batman leave him in the Batmobile where he's just, like... That's what he does with all his villains. He needs to, like, child lock that thing. Well, he thought just putting the shields and everything would be enough, but clearly not, because he pulled the ejector seat inside the Batmobile. (sighs) Well, anyways, it worked (laughs) out for him. Everyone's fine. Except for Batman. Batman's fine. A little bit of extra breathing holes in his chest. He probably needed them. It's fine. But yeah, it was a good story. So that's, that's my review on that one. News, I know you read something over in Marvel World. I did. I'm mostly going to be focusing on Marvel stuff this week because there's a lot of stuff coming out. So I read Road to Empire number one, which was written by Robbie Thompson, and the artists were Matia de Luis and Javier Rodriguez. So for those of you who don't know, this is kind of like the prequel issue to the Empire event that's going to be coming out in Marvel in April. So in like the wake of Incoming, which came out at the beginning of the year, a lot of stuff has changed for the Kree and the Skrull. This family, the Warner family, needs to work out what is happening, what it means for the future of their family and their race because they are Skrulls undercover. So a lot of it is the mother and the kids kind of rehashing all of these stories about the reason why the Kree-Skrull War happened and other stuff, which is kind of one of the 
things I really enjoyed about this was you got to see an outsider's perspective from this family and learn about these different stories. And whenever they rehash a story or talk about something, it's when it changes artist. And Javier Rodriguez's art for those sections is very whimsical and very child-esque. I don't think about the colorist in here, but the colorist made it very vibrant and bright, made it seem like it was kids telling a children's story because these are mm -hmm. stories that them as scroll have heard the story of the reason why the Korean scroll war started and the fact that they were actually a peaceful race that expanded its empire based on trade which i'm very happy marvel liked to pluck that little tidbit and shove it into the story because a lot of people think the scroll are just these warmongering crazy things because that's what we've seen from them before especially with uh, secret invasion and other stories they've usually been instigators and bad guys for a really long time except in the early bits of marvel uh, history and we did see a bit of a nicer side to the scrolls with the marvel mcu so i think they're trying to go back to that mm -hmm. side with the scrolls and saying like oh no the Kree are actually crazy warmongers we also got the backstories behind of course my favorite hero hulkling and another hero named sequoia who i had no idea who he was he's apparently the son of mantis and some other hero that was out in space so he's definitely going to play a big role for the story so they're setting up this stuff for people that don't know anything to do with Kree or scroll or anything interdimensional. Like, oh, this sounds right related. up my alley then. It's great. And if, if you haven't even picked up Road to Empire, Marvel has been releasing like these little true believer issues of key issues for things. A bunch of different, very key points that they even bring up in this one, but they're the full issues. You can find them. They're just normal priced at, in stores and stuff. They're really cool. All leading into Empire. So Marvel has been super hyping this one up. This story was a very good intro to that because you only really got the perspective of the scroll. We did see a Kree later on who tried to kill the family. Obviously, a lot of the scroll or the Kree are not happy with this forced union between their two empires, thanks to Emperor Hulkling coming in and saying, The war is over, we're uniting together. We're taking over the earth. Also, a lot of them have not been getting the transmissions because this family the entire time has been running around. They have been out of contact from main forces, so they would had no idea what happened. And the Kree was trying to keep them from learning it. So there's definitely some underhanded stuff. I don't really have much to say about it. The art was really solid. I'm really interested to continue to see where Empire actually leads. It didn't solve all the problems that I want to know because the questions are going to be answered later in Empire, but I'm like, I need to know more. Hurry up and come out. That was a great commercial, honestly. I seriously want to read it now. Yeah. We continue doing this and comics still keep getting put out despite everything. I'm definitely going to be talking about Empire later on. So That brings up a good point I wanted to ask you. like, How are you guys getting your comics? So yesterday, my comic store was like, hey, this is your last day to pick up stuff. After that, we're not getting any comics. So. For those of you who don't know, the impact of COVID-19, major U.S. comic distributor Diamond Comics pretty much has a monopoly on distributing comics all across the U.S. and into the U.K. as well, has stopped as of this week of March 25th. Based off of what I read, I think they're going to keep giving previous issues to comic stores if they need it. This was an announcement with the director, as he stated, production distributed by Diamond and slated on sale as of date of April 1st or later will be not shipped to retailers until further notice. So they don't even know when they're going to ship out. Mm. And we don't even know if digital stuff is going to continue because that is a whole other debate that we don't want to get into. 
Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of writers and artists are very confused about that too, because I know this past Wednesday, Robert Venditti posted on his Instagram of the Justice League issues and whatnot that came out. He's like, I'm not even sure how many of you guys are going to be able to go out and get these things. I was lucky enough to just get shipped to my house, but only time will tell. I know for me, like, I've been ordering my comics from Midtown, and of course now, like, the spread a lot more, especially in Manhattan. I've, you know, been taking care of the package, like, when it gets to my house, making sure that everything's like wipe disinfected all that stuff because you just never know yeah but physical comics have been halted as of right now it just depends on your comic retailer if they're still going to give you comics or not i know my comic store is still shipping comics so if you want to get old back issues if you want to get trades or get your subscription box mailed to you you can but they're no longer opening the store up they were actually doing a curbside which was really nice so i had to call in say i'm coming at a certain time and they would give me my order even like for Midtown because a lot of people that did like pre-orders and whatnot for things that are coming out in April like I know I Mm pre-ordered Catwoman and Joker and those would normally ship out like the day that it's supposed to be released but now they haven't sent out an email or anything yet regarding that so only time will tell even um, DC and Marvel I know they were saying maybe they would do strictly digital for the time being but that doesn't help collectors it doesn't no because I talked to the owner. He said that no matter how long this goes, whenever they will eventually ship out the physical copies of stuff. So things from April onward will eventually get shipped to stores. It will be a massively delayed release, but they won't all come in bulk. So say like this thing goes until like June. And so that's two months of comics. They will not get two months of comics just shipped to their house. It'll come in like waves. So look out for that if you're a collector like myself or Joe, especially empire is supposed to be slated for april 1st or april 14th i think is when it actually supposed to come next week was supposed to be a lot of the prequel stuff and then the week or two following was supposed to be empire and i had only my first issues pre-ordered because i wanted specific covers and they still don't have all the second issue covers released so i'm a little afraid that i can't go and talk to them about that but i guess if you've pre-ordered stuff they'll just hold it for you Pretty I'm much. just going to order stuff on Comixology, I think, and I know that that's bad, I know that we're trying not to, but here's the thing. My comic shop, they're totally willing to send me stuff, even pre-orders, but it's going to be like $15 a shipment, and they don't like bunch them up. They will ship them out as they get them, and so it's like, you could get them like in pieces and each time be charged like a bunch of money for shipping. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Said like, if you are under $50, it would be $5 for shipping. If it's over $50 of comics, it's free, so. Alright. I'd rather than Midtown. Sorry, Midtown. But you are the heart of the disease right now. Yeah. Yep. I know. That's why, like, I'm pretty sure this is going to be my last package until, you know, once the Catwoman and Joker arrives, if it does arrive, because, again, like, Catwoman's slated for April 15th and Joker's 80th is slated for April 29th. Yeah. I still don't even have my Yasmin Putri cover of Robin, and I don't know if I'm ever going to get it. And everyone's also freaking out for Art Germ's punchline variant for Batman number 92. Yeah. Because that thing sold out everywhere. Who's to say when it's getting shipped? According to Previews World, who I use a lot for release mm-hmm. dates, they still have all of the things slated for as they are. So we, we'll see. We'll definitely I mean, that's see. That's good. That's positive. I am still bummed about the Diamond News. Yeah. 
I wonder though, like what what'll happen if they don't come back and people, even publishers, want to like get their books printed? Mm-hmm. Are they just gonna like find smaller printers? Are we gonna like finally get free of like this monopoly? <laughs> it could happen. We'll see. We're going to have Joe read out the other DC comics that came out this week if you want to look into them. Okay. So we have Amethyst number two, which is a mini series in the Wonder Comics by Amanda Spencer. I believe that she wrote something else before. We also have Batgirl 45, Batman Beyond number 42, which was great. I'm actually really getting into that series. I only started it about six issues ago. Batman Curse of the White Knight just had its last issue. It was really great. I really enjoyed it. I really recommend Sean Gordon Murphy's Amazing Stories with White Knight, Curse of the White Knight, and then he is teasing a third installment of this, which who knows when that will be coming soon. You also have a black label, Basketful of Heads number 6. You have Flash 752, which is good. You have From Beyond the Unknown Giant number 1. You also have a Constantine Hellblazer number 5, Justice League Dark number 21, which I'm pretty sure was Ram V's uh, first solo writing for that. Uh, no, Tinian is still listed on huh. it. Okay. Uh-huh. I think it was more of like, it was a bit of a co-write right. idea thing, because I think a lot of it might have been also just kind of Tinian's brainchild, mm-hmm. but most of the writing was Ram V. Okay. Because I've noticed it's still following the storyline, like we're dealing with mm-hmm. the parliaments now. Like definitely that was something that got brought up way before the introduction, the red kind of taking over the green and all of this stuff. But I've noticed the writing's a little subtly different, mm-hmm. which is probably Ram V's writing compared to Tinian's and some of the pacing's a bit different than what I'm used to. So yeah, it's not bad. It's pretty good. We also have The Last God number six, which is a title I dropped about two issues ago. I just couldn't follow it. Legion Superheroes number five. Thank God it's finally over. I haven't read it. Red Hood Outlaw number 44. (laughs) Suicide Squad number four. Supergirl number 40. And then Wonder Woman 754, which was a very, like, like a one-shot story pretty much in between as Steve Orlando finishes off his arc in the Wonder Woman series before he moves on to Marvel. All right, Muse. Sorry we didn't acknowledge your wonderful mini-review of Justice League Dark. No, you're good. I was interested. Joe clearly was not. (laughs) It's okay. I just wanted to give my little two cents because I didn't want to cover it too much. No, I loved it. It was solid. Um, That was it. Nice. And so for your titles, they're all going to be Marvel. What are they? Yeah. So for Marvel this week, we also had The Amazing Spider-Man 42, Falcon Winter Soldier number two, which so far has been really solid. Been liking the buddy cop going on. There have been some characterizations. I know I talked to Joe about this right before we started recording. That kind of made me concerned, but we'll see if that was just a one-issue thing. Then we also have the giant size X-Men. Nightcrawler number one, which is just a bunch of wonderful Nightcrawler stories. So if you're a big fan of Nightcrawler, we also have a new X-Men title, which is Hellions number one. I don't care. <laughs> uh, my X-Men title that I want will be coming out during the COVID-19 embargo. The Immortal Hulk number 33. Jessica Jones Blind Spot number six. Yes. Marvel's Avengers Black Widow number one, mm. which actually looked pretty good. It's uh I think that's the last installment for the prequel stories for the video game coming out. Uh, Ravencroft number three, Scream, Curse of Carnage number five, Star Wars Bounty Hunters number two, Wolverine number two, and X-Men number nine, which is a continuation of that story that we were talking about last week to deal with the brood. I was actually very surprised because this is the first time we've actually had an issue go back to back without it jumping to a wholly different story. Let's just say there's definitely going to be a part three to this because uh, Brew ate the king egg. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's something to look forward to reading. 
<laughs> it's so funny. So they're all fighting off the brood. Oh, then all of a sudden they're like, why did it stop? And they're just surrounded by a bunch of the swarms of this, like, this hive mind society. There's just brew, the mutant brood, sitting on top, saying, oh no, I got hungry. And he's, like, eating the goop out of the king egg, and you're like, the hell? no! He's so the one made such him. a big deal out of it in the first place. Now they listen to him. So that's a whole other different thing. Okay. So, so mutants not only have their own mutant island, now they have a mutant brood that can pretty much control the entire hive. Congratulations, they're overpowered as heck. Oh, gosh. Yeah. This one's a complicated mm-hmm. line. It All is right. a very complicated beast. You well, ever want to tackle it? I, I don't. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you two have fun over there. I can barely handle I'm these trying. Surprise. I didn't even read Ravencroft this week. I feel so guilty about that. I've been trying to keep up, and I read well, one comic this whole week. Honestly, I've, I've had two <laughs> weeks of reading comics, and I just read a whole bunch today. So. Don't feel that bad. <sighs> I, I think out of all of us, though, like I'm the one who's the luckiest, because I get to... I've been working from home, so I've been... Yeah. 40 hours a week remote, and you're an essential employee. I am an essential employee, but this was also before the pandemic. (laughs) I am now unemployed. Man, so we have one of, like, every major group. (laughs) We do! Except for the millionaire hoarder. (laughs) Where are they? (laughs) Yes, we'll get through this. So... That kind of concludes basically our part one. Tune in for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be back in part two. The sponsor this week is brought to you by Buffett. You ever feel like nobody's paying as much attention to you as they should be? Maybe the room you're speaking in can be a little bit brighter? We at the Court of Outlets would like to introduce to you listeners to the new product by LexCorp, Buffett. It's a brand new product created by Lex Luthor himself, which really allows you to stand out amongst your peers and to bring all mindless droning conversations to an instant halt. Just apply the product directly to the top of your scalp, preferably after a shower, and let the product do the rest. And if you go to LexCorp.com and use the promo code COO-20, you can get an additional 20% off your purchase. That's COO-20 for an additional 20% off your purchase of Buffett. LexCorp's Buffett. Blind your peers with more than just your wisdom. Welcome back, everyone, to part two. This is where we cover all the titles in our short box from DC, Marvel, Image, and whatever else we find lying on the side of the road. So, (laughs) other comics to talk about. Joe, you had my favorite, Batman Superman 8. It's my favorite, too. This is so good. I love this series so much. Written by Joshua Williamson, who, again, he is the current writer and has been the current writer for The Flash for about four years now. The art, once again, is from Nick Darrington. An amazing story, which has just the right amount of, like, buddy cop atmosphere between Zod and Ra's al Ghul. I had nothing bad to say about this story. It was exactly what I was expecting it to be, and more. Because where we last left off, Zod revived the lost city of Kandor in the Lazarus Pits. They are all still super tiny, and now they're super aggro because of the Lazarus Pits. And they start attacking Zod, Ra's al Ghul, Batman, and Superman. They all question Zod why he resurrected the Kandorians while knowing that they would rage out immediately and act unpredictably. 
he basically said because Clark didn't even try. Which, I get that. I really enjoy the villains that do care about their citizens. So Zod, Ocean Master, Black Adam, they are all really good villains because they feel that they're doing what is right. So we also found out Zod learned of the Lazarus Pits from his time in the Suicide Squad with Amanda Waller. I knew nothing of this. <laughs> I don't remember that arc. So apparently he was with the Suicide Squad or had run into them at some point while Amanda Waller was still in charge. One of the funny things I saw was Rachel Ghoul, as they're trying to fight off these little Kandorians, he tells Superman, he's like, I need you to take down that wall. And then Clark's like, this better be a good idea, Raish, because I'm in no mood to take orders from you. And Raish just looks at him, he's like, you seem to always take orders from Batman. My mistake. Oh my god, he's such a dickhead. Raish ends up throwing a red solar grenade to at least knock him out unconscious, including Superman, so he ends up falling down to the ground also. So then Batman freaks out because his best friend just got hurt. And he's like, Raish, what did you do? And then while Raish is explaining it, he throws a battering at his head. It's stuck in the back of his helmet. And then you see a panel later on while Zod is explaining how Batman and Superman should have sided with him instead of Raish al Ghul. You see Raish pluck the battering out of his helmet and you hear like the little like pock sound what the heck yeah so zod was able to get all the kandorians back into the bottle which raish then slices the bottle a good portion of the little infrastructure inside gets demolished and who knows how many kandorians also got destroyed because of that and then it has like that moment where the cat knocks the glass of water over except this time it's like kandorian lives because then raish is just looking at zod and then zod's looking at raish and then clark is like zod <laughs> The no. next panel, you see Zod just fly off with Rachel Ghoul. Both Clark and Bruce are like, okay, I have to go take these Kandorians to the fortress to save them. You please take care of Zod and Raish, and I'll get back as soon as I can. So then you have like this really amazing moment of Bruce trying to talk down Zod from killing Rachel Ghoul. He relates to him on that level of, you know, I know what it's like to fight because of vengeance and revenge, and this isn't going to make you feel better. Killing Ra's al Ghul is not going to help you feel better either. That pain is still going to sit inside you. Zod lets Ra's live, and then he flies off into space. Clark is overhearing all of this in his little monologue bubble. He says how he knew that he was never going to be able to relate to Zod on that anger level, that that was something only Bruce could have been able to do. <laughs> Ah, oh, the simplification of Superman in these comics, I swear. It's like, I don't hold the anger in my heart that Batman does, therefore I can't relate to angry people. One of my favorite moments, though, before Bruce got there, was that you see Zod with a boulder over his head, ready to smash Ra's al Ghul to pieces, and he's like, they call you the demon's head, right? What are they gonna call you when you're headless? Oh my gosh. It was just so funny in the moment. Zack, chill. <laughs> Clark ends up being able to save the remaining Kandorians. He puts them in like a little cosmic coma, as he called it, until they find like a cure to relieve them of the Lazarus Pits. Because they're Kandorian, we don't know how long that rage and insanity is going to stay inside them. Aww. And that's one of the main reasons why Raish didn't work with Zod, is because he doesn't know how much time that would take. Because for him, he's had years to practice his resistance against the Lazarus. Pits. Yeah, but everyone visits Lazarus Pits at some point, and they're all fine. 
well, a lot of them are human, so like maybe it's like that initial just rage and craziness, and then after just therapy and it's contemplation. not even therapy. Catwoman went in, she came out with an evening gown. She's like, well, that yeah, was fine. But now this is angry, super powered aliens. Listen. If their metabolism is good, they probably have it out of their system at the same rate, right? And they're little. How hard can they be? Just put them in like a padded... They're little, but it's like the Ant-Man syndrome where they still kind of have the strength and power of a real person, but it's a real full-size Kryptonian. Okay, here's what you do. You put them all in a little anthill, a little ant farm, and you put kryptonite in there. And then you just let them like work through it for like a day, and then that's what the, the bottle city out. was for. <laughs> the bottle city had a red sun. It's like you're trying to deduce like a drug addict by like, all right, have right? fun. You just tie him down with dental floss, and then you're just like, oh they're superpowered. <laughs> they break through that. But kryptonite. Oh my god. Kryptonite dental floss. <laughs> To break away those Kryptonian cavities. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being more helpful than Superman is what I'm saying. Like, maybe don't force everyone into a coma that's a problem. Like, that's just one solution. Is like, we could keep them awake Well, it's kind of like the medical procedures, too, where they slip the person into a coma and kind of keep them in that stasis until they find, like, a better cure. Well, how will they know if they're cured? Maybe they can self-cure the same way humans can, but you're not giving them a choice if you're just going to keep them in it indefinitely. (laughs) I'm still mad about the bottled city. I'm with Zod. I don't like Superman. Keep an entire civilization as a paperweight. Well, he didn't. Rogozar destroyed it. I know, but well, that's what Zod is upset about. He's like, I'm okay with you preserving our city in your fortress because it was sustained. It had a red sun. It had everything they ever needed. You had our people alive. But I do not agree with the fact that you just decided to mourn their deaths instead of trying to bring them back when you know that that power exists. Okay, I'm not with Zod there. I'm with myself now. before (laughs) even that like i'm not cool with them being self-sustained as tiny people well that's something that came out about with rebirth because before you had two story arcs you had a story arc where clark brought the bottle city of candor to its regular size on earth was called like just new krypton on an island and then people of earth were afraid of living alongside superpower kryptonians so the kryptonians decided to find a new planet that could sustain them and then they called that new krypton then you have the second story where they did that from the beginning that would have been my choice find an empty place for them to stay that's what zod is doing currently in the Superman in Action comics run. He found a new planet called Jakul, and he's making that new Krypton. And that's what he was in the process of doing. And we also found that at the end of this, not all of the Kandorians were in that bottle. Zod took half of them out to try and revive them back on new Krypton. So this whole Lazarus Pit thing was just a test, and he risked half the Kandorian population in order to prove to see what the effects of the Lazarus Pits. It cuts to him showing his own bottled city of Kandor with the population that he took and presenting it to his son. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I feel about it, but you know what? Action's better than inaction. I still maintain that. Anyways, we're talking about X-Men Fantastic Four, number three. Go for it, Muse.
So we're on issue three. This issue was the climax. We finally ramped up and whatever happens next is the big final moments. But the writer for this is Zdarsky and the artist is Terry Dodson. This issue, Franklin Richards makes his decision to go through with this procedure that Dr. Doom says will help him get his powers back. The X-Men and the Fantastic Four are not very happy. I'm just really quickly going to go over the things I didn't like, because the first thing I didn't like was one of the first things that happens in the middle of this firefight over the Pacific Ocean after the Fantastic Four went to Krakoa to see if Franklin had arrived there, and they found out that he didn't. They're like, all right, uh, we're good. We can leave now. We have nothing against you guys. The X-Men, of course, follow them because they're like, you sabotaged us and broke all kinds of legal stuff, so we're gonna have to shoot you down and bring you for trial. Well, they just happen to crash land on Doom's Island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. (laughs) Where Franklin and Val are at, and the rest of the Marauders, after getting captured by Doom in issue two. Mm-hmm. I did remember this. I do I read this now. I love Doom. Let's do this. I'm ready. Tell me the God. story. So, massive plot convenience. <laughs> I understand. You gotta move the plot some way. But them randomly crash landing makes no sense. I think they were trying to track Franklin, but there was no way to do so. Because, as they mentioned in issue two, Doom's Island is a blank spot. It just reads as ocean. It does not read as an island. So there's no way they'd actually be able to pinpoint that he's there. It's like the Bermuda Triangle out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. There's also some weird sentence breaking between panels. It's really off at times. Usually they can be used for dramatic effect as we see with the sentences kind of starting on one panel and moving to another, starting on one page and going to another. But some of them were just really executed poorly. I'm going to read out two examples that I remember seeing. Sure. About that. Oh, I have no doubt. That is the case. Oh. Was this written by Tom King? (laughs) Chip, what the heck, buddy? I don't know if this was your writing because the rest of the sentences onward, there was continued sentences. There was another big bubble on the next bit of the paneling below it. I would mostly kind of put this on the artist because you made your speech bubbles funky. I don't know why you did that when about most of them were pretty solid. There's a lot of them that just, I don't know why they cut them off where they did. Minor nitpick, but it was very obvious to me when I was reading it because it just messed up the flow of some of the conversations. And then even some of the conversations because there's so many different stories going on and perspectives in this issue. And then there's conversations, multiple people, and people's backs are turned in certain panels and then they're turned another way in the uh, the next one i'm like did they just like 180 real quickly and there was a little funkiness with that but other than that it flowed pretty well i'm actually really proud of franklin for standing up to his father because he's finally put his foot down and said no dad this is what i want to do and reed was actually like okay son i'm gonna let you do this i'm still gonna be really perfective father mode right now and i'm not gonna let the x-men just take you away without my consent but you need to understand this is doom we're talking about and franklin's like yeah i get it and he even works alongside with the mutants to kind of ensure that nothing is gonna happen to franklin so reed richards is looking over doom's stuff beast is looking over doom's stuff trying to make sure that like this is safe for franklin because they all have his best sisters at heart in different ways the only kind of issue i do have about the way they were writing franklin being like yeah i'm gonna be my own person i'm gonna make my own decisions i'm growing up dad you can't stop me i hope his misplaced trust in doom 
because it's very misplaced trust as we see as it goes on even before in issue two it's like he's using Franklin I hope it doesn't have him running back to his daddy being like I'm sorry father I didn't know any better I was just a moody ignorant teenager because that's just gonna defeat the whole purpose of him trying to grow up and get away from his parents or at least kind of become himself and be like I am a mutant and I am proud but I'm also the son of Reed Richards and Susan Storm and I am an, a fantastic four member and I am proud to have that. I am both. I can be both. And I want my powers because if without them I feel like I'm missing something, which is kind of sad. Poor kid. I really hope it doesn't shoot him in the foot for that and I hope it kind of goes well. It's not looking so good based off the end of the comic. <laughs> Other favorite thing. This is Victor Von Doom speaking to Charles Xavier as they're working on doing the research and getting ready for Franklin's procedure. So he says, make no mistake. Doom recognizes the country of Krakoa, but I do not recognize that having claws protrude from your body makes you worthier than a human who dedicated their life to diplomacy and the study of culture. It is insulting. You are insulting, Charles, with the pretense of superiority. Doom will help this young man because it is what Doom wishes to do with his power, power that he has earned while you were simply born with it. Oh my god! <laughs> Burn from Finally, Doom, a villain! Oh my gosh! I uh, this is one of the things I've really liked about Sadarsky's writing with this is Von Doom. A lot of the Fantastic Four members, people on the outside from the X Men, have looked at them and been like, "Y'all are crazy." <laughs> What are you doing? You are arrogant. We do not trust this. We trusted the previous X-Men, no matter how much people wanted to push you down. You always rose up in a positive way, and that is why we respected you. We no longer respect you. <laughs> and it's great because of reading a lot of X-Men stuff, you're seeing it from the mutant's point of view, and it's great to see mm -hmm. it from other human superheroes or other enhanced heroes like the Fantastic Four who've always had a very good relationship with the X-Men and it's just oh it's great those little quips and those one-liners just really hit hard at the fact that something's up with the mutants and the earth doesn't like it but yeah that was X-Men Fantastic Four I can't wait to see what happens in the next couple of issues mostly I don't care about what Doom's doing I'm mostly concerned about Franklin and his relationship how That's... dare you I do like Doom he's fun <laughs> Doom is he's a barrel of kittens. I think he's hilarious. <laughs> he's a good time. Like, a barrel of kittens will keep you occupied for a good hour, and you'll be laughing a lot, but you don't know why. That's Doom. I love how Anyways. he just always talks in the third person. <laughs> I am Doom. Doom does this. <laughs> Not as caveman but still. I mean, he does speak in third person, but it's kind of like, I am royalty, you may kiss Doom's fist. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it, I will not release it from the fist. No, I'm not a human, I am a bot. <laughs> I'm not Doom. This is a shell game, you stupid idiot. That's, that's what I love about Doom, man. That's pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's royalty, but he's also... Is he real? Is there even a Doom anymore? We don't know. <laughs> They're probably all bots. Oh. He's dead. Yeah. Ah, okay. So we've conquered news pretty early on. I don't think we have any more comic news. I do think it's just shocking considering like everyone was like, ooh, Dan Didio is gone. Now it's we were all worried that DC is gonna fall under mm -hmm. and this happens and it's like Diamond, the true villain. 
like cinematic stuff they're trying to keep up the date with all the other companies and releasing their stuff months early so they just released birds of prey on digital we need to have a viewing party that'll be so fun muse refuses to acknowledge his existence oh because of the casting mm-hmm well, I mean, that's a pretty good Listen, reason. Listen, nobody loves casts more than me, but I love a good roast. So I'm down to watch terrible movies, if you Yes. I want to see those fight scenes. I want to see if they're good or if they're the ones in the trailers where they never hit even close. I've seen clips of it, and oh my gosh, it is so They're like as choreographed as the bend and snap in Legally Blonde. That's <laughs> what it kept reminding me of. Like, hit him with your hair, girl. That'll knock him out. I'm just like, okay. Okay. I'm watching something, but it doesn't feel like a DC it's movie. so bad. I'm ready. But that's really it in terms of like any like news for it. Everything's uh, put on hold. Batman's uh, Robert Pattinson, Matt Reeves movie is getting put on hold until further notice. They were one of the first productions to do so. But Wonder Woman still set to release in theaters. They just pushed the date back until August now. They're not doing that gamble of releasing it online. Nah. Although, it's going to be a while before people can go to theaters, especially crowded theaters. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Plus, even like, let's say it all blows over by July, who's really going to take that risk and be like, oh, okay, it's brand spanking new, I'll hit the theaters tomorrow. Also hoping to get like a big Chinese box office or something. Uh, well, China's still kind of also in a bit of a pickle. So, your two major markets, the United States and China, I don't know. are kind I mean, of screwed. Maybe it's the smart move, honestly. Maybe streaming would lose them too much money, but... I just don't think the hype for Wonder Woman is gonna go down, but if you want a captive audience and you're yeah. gonna stream it, now's a pretty good time. With Marvel, Black Widow is slated for May. Still, they haven't said anything about pulling it or anything. It's still slated to release because I think right now, like, May conventions and June ones are still kind of, like, happening. Yeah. But Disney did pull Onward from theaters early and released it on digital. It's on Disney Plus. It's on digital in places. I wouldn't be surprised if they did it to Mulan because that's supposed to be have released. But I'm really concerned about Black Widow because the hype for that is so big. Everyone's wanted this Black Widow movie for a long time. And for it to get cut from theaters and put on digital is just heartbreaking. Everything's heartbreaking though. I mean like all the media circuit. If you're not in gaming, this is a bad time for media. Gaming and maybe um cartoons cartoons have also stopped production on a lot of things as well so yeah the studios who weren't ready to work remote but a lot of studios are still pushing through yeah and i think it's very possible like the hardest thing i think to work remote is storyboard artists and a lot of people have been making the transition but i have heard a lot of other things about videos that were smaller and weren't ready and then they just had to release them back into the wild you know and so there's like a lot of artists out of work so We'll say at least for this though, in terms of like the comics and stuff like that, this does give writers and artists an opportune time to kind of keep working on their stories. That way they're good to go for when the printing and everything does come True. back. But I would always recommend if you are in comics and you're working on an IP, consider working on a personal project on the side as a nest egg because if that goes away, at least you have your personal project, you can still get that printed or released online, you can still get Patreon, Kickstarter, money, 
I know that a lot of printers have stopped printing as well because a webcomic artist that I follow is in a bit of a pickle because she won't be able to release one of her stories on time if she wants because her printer has stopped printing. Or the back order for things is really far now because they're not printing as much as well. So it's going to take months longer. A lot of things like online and things like that are taking way longer because they reduce staff. My experience with printing, like, if you're not printing small orders, if you want to print a large order, like, you definitely have to go to China. Everyone goes through China to get to get their books printed. You gotta order, like, a, a container of them. Or, like, a partial container. Anyways, it's just a thing, and it's not coming back for a while, but, like, I also think when it comes to print orders, especially if you already have the audience, a lot of them will pre-order, and that way you can at least tell them, you know, it's been delayed. And people will understand why. But I do think like digital media is definitely taking the lead here. So if you do have like a webcomic and you're getting digital donations, then that's the way to go. If you do work on something that's not your own, as soon as that disappears, you have nothing. So if you are an artist and you have downtime and you're not working on your reel because your reel is perfect, then you should definitely be working on your own projects that you can own and keep, that you can keep producing over the years and get some passive income from. It's just my thought. Um, I just wanted to go into next week's comics that I will be getting digitally. I know that Joe has some already selected for DC. Oh yeah. Next week we have Batman 92, which as I said in part one, that has the Stanley Archer Lell punchline variant that everybody's been dying to get. We have Batman Giant number four. We have Daphne Byrne number four for Black Label along with Strange Adventures number two. We have something called The Dreaming number 20. I have never heard of this. I'm pretty sure it's the same. Sandman thing. It is a Sandman thing, but we also have Genlock number six, Harley Quinn number 72, Justice League 44, Justice League Odyssey number 20, Lois Lane number 10, and then Dan Didio's Metal Men number six. All right, Muse, it's your turn. What do we have coming out next week? All right, for Marvel next week, we have Black Cat number 11, Black Widow number one, which looks really good. I've seen mm-hmm. the previews of it in my Marvel comics. We also have Daredevil number 20, Deadpool number five, Doctor Doom number seven, Empire Avengers number zero, which is a lead in into Empire, Excalibur number 10, Marauders 10, Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 17, Spider-Man Noir number two. Yes! <laughs> I want to do a reading of that so bad. <laughs> it's just a little quiet. Hell yeah. We also have Star Wars Dr. Afra number one. I do not know this doctor. Don't Star Wars Dr. Afra. Uh, we have Strange Academy number two. Can't wait to see where this is going. I hope this kind of narrows in and focuses because the first one was a big broad view of what the series is going to be. Get Strike Force number eight, Don't Let Me Down, Teeny Howard, I Love You, <laughs> Swordmaster number 10, and Taskmaster number one. I want to close this out. Don't forget to Clorox your door handles and stay six feet apart from people outside. But definitely, if you see the sun, go out and say hi. I'm serious. Make sure you get some sun. We cannot all come out of this looking like Morbius. Or I swear to God, I am going to retcon this whole year. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's been us. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Court of Owlets podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Court of Owlets. Let us know which comics you want us to cover next week and make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to your podcast.
stay safe and have a great day. Bye.